nothing, so we better get going. Huh? <laughs> uh, good to see you in the house of the Lord tonight. Philippians chapter 3 is where we'll be. Philippians chapter 3 as we continue our study here um, uh, uh, through the book of Philippi, I don't, or the book of Philippians, written to the church at Philippi. I don't think we'll obviously make it all the way through the, the whole book, but we'll make it through this one and maybe next week's and, uh, and uh, see where we get to kind of a fitting kind of a fitting place to uh, tie it up next week I believe with the way the Lord worked that out but Philippians chapter 3 will begin about verse number 10 tonight let's just go Lord in prayer before we get started and ask him to help us tonight Lord we want to we just want to thank you in advance Lord for the Lord what your words going to teach us tonight to, uh, we just open up our hearts now for the Holy Spirit to speak to us Lord and as we look at this fundamental truth Lord from scripture tonight about knowing you and Lord, what that word means, and may we just uh, leave this place fully expounded on that, and and with a desire to know you more than we ever have before. Lord, thank you for Paul's desire to know you more. Help us to leave with that same desire. We pray in Christ's name, Amen. Philippians chapter three, and we'll begin verse number ten tonight. But as you think about this word, no, we're going to talk a lot about this word, no, tonight, because that's exactly what Paul says as we get to our, to verse number ten that I may know him. And, and you think about that word know, there's a lot of things we know. How many of you know anything? Anybody know anything? Tell me something you know. What do you know? You know, you say, what, say that one more time. The day's getting on towards night. All right, we're getting later in the day, right? What happens then? It gets dark, right? Some facts we know. What, what do you know, sir? You know you're saved and going to heaven. Amen. Amen. And that, that's a good thing to know, right? A lot of things we know, we, we call them facts, don't we? We call them truths, things we, we know and intellectual truths. And I was thinking of, what book comes after Genesis? How many of you could answer that one tonight? Exodus. Hey, y'all pretty smart Bible students in here tonight. So you know Exodus comes after uh, Genesis. And, and so that's just a fact, right? You know 2 plus 2 equals what? What do we always say? That equals 4. Where was Jesus born? In Bethlehem. Why? We know these facts, and that's the idea many times when we think about that word no. How about this? Do you know that a 50-pound bag of flour would make one bodacious biscuit? <laughs> That'd be a big old biscuit, wouldn't it? <laughs> uh, I, I, there's some facts I know, like come football season, Virginia Tech's going to whoop UVA again in football. All right? They're just facts. You just know them. You don't even have to watch the game. and You think about things like that. Well, when we're talking about the word no here in the Bible tonight, that's not what he's talking about. He's actually talking about a word that means something just a little different than intellectual facts. He's talking about something experiential. So with that as our backdrop, I want to read tonight the Word of God, then we'll break it down and see what the Lord has for us. Again, Philippians chapter 3, pick up with me. In verse 9, to get to the context from last time, now I don't know if any of you watched online last week or not, but we'll, we'll re review some of that as we go if you didn't. And, but, but Paul was talking and, he was talking about all the stuff that he was. I'm telling you what, he, was, he, was, he had his stuff together. But he said, you know, even with all that stuff I was before he had met Christ, he said all of that, he counted for loss. He said it was but dung was the, the wording he used in the word, word of God. He said it was like animal excrement. I said that's not pretty, but that's what he called it, compared to the excellency of the knowledge of Christ. And then he gets to verse 9, he said, And be found in him, not having my own righteousness. He said it didn't come from him, which is of the law, but 
that which is of the faith through Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith. And here's where we're picking up tonight. That I may know him. The power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death, if by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead, not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect, but I follow after, if that I may apprehend, for that which I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. Father, for the next little bit, help us to just glean some truths from your scriptures and help us to know you, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. Now, as we read in verse 10, now notice one thing I want you to see right off the bat. He didn't say, I know about him, did he? He said, I know him. It's a fundamental difference in knowing about something and knowing him. What did he mean when he wrote the word know? Well, in your Bible, there's a, a lot of times this happens. This is why sometimes we've got to study a little deeper. I get a lot of grief sometimes about giving out some Greek things. But, but you know, there's three different Greek words that are translated in our New Testament to the word know. And if you don't know which one it came from, you really don't know the definition of how God wants you to understand that. And so one of them is this, it's aido, and that's to know the facts, to comprehend mentally. When we opened, y'all were stating a bunch of facts, a bunch of truths that you understood mentally, right? You comprehended that mentally. That's not the word being used here. He's not saying you've got to know all these facts about Jesus Christ. That's not what he's talking about. That word's used many times, the, the one aido, the, the, to know the facts or to comprehend me, uh, mentally. It's used in 1 Corinthians 12 too. I gave that in your notes, but look what it says. You know that, the, they, uh, you know that ye were Gentiles. You know what we were before we got saved? Unless you're a Jew, you were a Gentile, right? Now you're part of the church. Praise God for that. Uh, he said, that, that was just a fact. You knew what you were, right? You knew what your heritage was. You knew what your background was. and So you knew some facts. How about 1 John 5.13? We use that a lot in the Baptist churches. Amen, and we should, because it's a good one. Uh, John's right, and he said, These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that ye may know that ye have eternal life. How do you know? Well, in that context there, it was based on the facts of what John had already written through the first cha five chapters of, of 1 John. And so John's saying, I wrote all these things to you that you may know based on those facts that you have eternal life. Does that make sense? So that's, that's the word aido and, and some of those. And by the way, how did you know it? Because you believed on the name of the Son of God. And uh, it's, a, it's the only way to know, repent and believe. Well, there's another place that the word know, or uh, another word that the word know in our, in our New Testament comes from. And I couldn't pronounce this if I had to, but a piece to me or whatever, however you say that. And it literally means to know by acquaintance or familiarity. You ever had somebody come and, and say, uh, well, yeah, I, I was kind of familiar with that. Like, I don't know it to be fact, but I'm, I'm familiar. I heard something about that. That's the idea of the word no in this case. And that, I, I'm familiar with it. Uh, or, or maybe it's an acquaintance. I, I don't know them really well, but I, I do know who they are. We say things like that, right? And that's the idea of this word. And uh, over in Acts chapter 26, this one, that's where this word, one of the places it was used. You, you remember Paul's preaching there to Festus and King Agrippa. And, and he says this, or, or they come back and say this, For the king knoweth of these things, before whom also I speak freely, for I am persuaded that none of these things were hidden from him, for this thing was not done in a corner. Paul finished preaching the gospel to him and telling him he had to trust Jesus, repent and believe the gospel. And he said, listen, listen, the, the king's familiar with these things. I've been preaching this for a long time. He's, he's acquainted with this. Now, he didn't intellectually maybe completely understand it, 
He didn't certainly at a heart level trust it yet, but, but, he, but he was familiar with it. He was acquainted with it. That's kind of how the word's used. That's not the word he used here either. You say, why are you giving us all these words? I don't know, just to confuse you. <laughs> uh, here's the one he used. It's the word gnosko. And here's what it literally means. When Paul says that I may know him, it means to personally, intimately, by experience, know him. Uh, look at a couple places this one's used. John chapter 17, verse 3. I just gave you a couple in your text. It's a Jesus speaking there. That's really, go read that sometime. What a great chapter. That's the Lord's real prayer. And when you talk about the Lord's prayer, John chapter 17 is the Lord actually praying. Uh, and it says this, and this is the life eternal, that they may know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom thou sent, the life eternal. So that they may know, know how, intimately, personally, experientially. Not just the facts, not just the head knowledge. This word's talking about a heart knowledge. Does that make sense? That's the word used here in Philippians 3.10 when Paul says that I may know him. I want to know him in an intimate fellowship, in a personal way, experientially is the way I want to know him. That's his desire. He wants to know him and the power of his resurrection, the fellowship of his sufferings, and be made conformable to his death. So Paul's saying, listen, uh, I want to go a little further than head knowledge. I want to go a little further than just facts. I want to, I want to be acquainted with the person himself. And, and that's what he's talking about here. He wanted to know him experientially, personally. By the way, that same word know here, Gnosko is the same word they use to describe a husband and a wife knowing each other intimately, personally. So when you think about that kind of fellowship on every level, that's the word he's using here. And that's, that's the way Paul wanted to know Jesus. And that's the way uh, I believe he did know Jesus. But he's saying here that I may know him even more and more and more. And Paul's telling us it's not enough just to know facts. We've got to know him personally and experientially. So here's my question for you tonight. Before we break it down and have a little message here. Do you know him that way? That's the question. Do you know him? Because Paul's challenging these Philippian believers that not only does he want to know him that way, but that they should want to know him that way. And I think by extension that would apply to us that we should want to know him that way. And I know the Lord wants us to know him that way. And so, so how does Paul want to know him? Well, look, as he, look at verse 10 again, what he says, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. The first thing I want you to see is he wants to know the person of Christ. The person of Christ. And we talked about that a little bit. But listen, Paul's entire religious experience before his conversion, all the things he did, here's what it results in. By the way, this is what religion always results in. It result, resulted in a cold, distant, uh, uh, formality, impersonal knowledge of God. Hey, listen, he was a Pharisee of the Pharisee. He knew his Bible inside out. He studied at the feet of Gamaliel. You want to talk about somebody who knew what he was talking about, it was him, but he didn't know him. He knew his facts, but he didn't know Christ. He knew the scriptures, but he didn't know the Savior. And there's a big difference between the two. And so he was saying, listen, before all that happened, listen, all he worked about, all he was about was pride and knowledge and keeping the rituals. And think about the, we talked about that last week, if you watched online. Go back with me, verse 5, though, quickly, just as a review. Yeah, I mean, he could have, Paul could have taken pride in all this. He was circumcised. The eighth day, the Bible says, hey, keeping that ritual, that ritual. That was uh, many times I told you on there, it's kind of replaced like by baptism and other uh, formal malady things. Not that it was a bad thing to do, but they were doing it for 
out of ritual. And Paul said, listen, I, I was circumcised eight days. Anybody could have known him. I could have known him, but that's not the no he's talking about here. Uh, he says, all that was like but dung compared to the excellency of the knowledge of him. Then he goes on in verse 5, says he was a stock of Israel. He could have been taking pride in his rituals. He could have taken pride in his relationships. Hey, he came from the right stock, the right family, but just remember this, it doesn't matter what family you came from. It doesn't matter if your grandma, your grandpa, your, your dad, your mom, your, uh, what they've done and what, where they were. Maybe they were a founding member of a church. Maybe one of them was a preacher. That don't get you in. You've got to know him. It's not about who you know. It's, about, uh, it's not about who you know here in the human realm. It's about who you know in the God realm, and his name is Jesus Christ. He said, listen, my, I could have took pride in my relationships, but, but it was like buck dung. He could have took pride in his religion. In verse 5, he went on to say, hey, he was a, a touching law of Pharisee. And that literally means a separated one. And, and he was one that kept the law. And, and uh, keeping the law on list, we understand that. Doesn't get us saved, right? Keeping the law on the list, not that it's bad things to do, but compared to knowing him intimately and personally in an experiential relationship with Christ, it's but dung is what he says. He could have took pride in his self-righteousness. He said in verse 6, he said concerning uh, touching the righteousness of, which is the law blameless if anybody was ever considered right in the eyes of man it would have been him but God looks in on the heart we know in other words here's what I'm just trying to say to you he had the religion covered right all that was done but he didn't have that relationship that didn't start till the day of, on the road to Damascus amen when he came face to face contact and experientially for the first time not just knew the scriptures, but experience and knowledge of the Savior. A personal, intimate relationship. So he got, he got saved that day, and thank God for that. But here he is, a saved man, writing now, that he is still, it's not enough. I need to know him more. See, thank God for that day you got saved, amen? I'm thankful for uh, the day beside that race car when I called upon the name of the Lord, and he saved my soul when I put my trust in the fact that he died for me, was buried and rose again, and I turned and put my full weight and trust and confidence in, in that fact and in him and in his finished work, and I got saved by the grace of God. Listen, that was a good day. And I knew him for the first time, experienced him through salvation. But listen, if that's all God wanted for us, then he would have took us out of this world, right? Why are we still here? Because he desires us to know him more. Paul's writing here to this church of Philippi, a saved man who experienced him on the road to Damascus and salvation, but now he wants to know him even more. And that has the idea of sanctification. He wants to, know, he wants to grow in grace and knowledge. And so let me just ask you this. Do you personally and experientially know Christ? I'm afraid there's people all over in Bible-believing churches like ours and like other, other Bible-teaching, Bible-preaching churches that know all kinds of facts. Aido, but have never known him. Gnosko. Experientially, personally, and intimately. Now, my prayer is that you do tonight, because listen, that's where it all starts. I mean, there's people all over. They can talk to religious lingo, right? You run into them. I mean, they dress right, and they smell right. They talk the talk. They, uh, listen, they, they, uh, they even sometimes can walk the walk, in, in man's eyes at least, right? They can tell you all the facts. They can tell you Jesus was born of a virgin. They can tell you even the gospel many times, how he died and was buried and rose again. They can tell you they believe that. And they know that to be true, but when it's only here, it's Aido. Head knowledge. 
Paul says, you got to know him. Gnosko, experientially, personally, intimately. Not just about the facts, it's about the person. And so, uh, I mean, they can even tell you he's coming again. How many of you know he's coming again? Amen. <laughs> they know all the facts, but sadly, they don't necessarily know him. And, and listen, if you don't know him personally, here's the way you get it done. First of all, you got to be saved. Amen. All right? Got to be saved. Repent. That means change your mind and turn and put your full weight and trust in him and him alone. Yeah, the gospel message is death, burial, and resurrection. But listen, salvation's not the end. This is a Tuesday night crowd. Understand that. Paul is saved when he wrote this, that I may know him. He already knows him for salvation. He wants to know him even more. Let me ask you, do you want to know him more? Do you want to know him more today than you did yesterday? See, I think Brother Stephen taught on apathy on Sunday, in Sunday school Sunday. We're, we're kind of there, aren't we? Do we want to know him more than we've ever known him before? Paul did. He's right now, I may know him. Listen, I want to go further. Salvation, thank God, glory to God, and we should praise God all night for it, as Brother Doug did. Listen, but that's not the end, is it? There's somewhere further to go. And Paul's already saved here saying, I, that's just the beginning point. I want to go as far as I can go. I want to know him, Gnosko, personal, intimate relationship. You know what that always requires? It requires communication, right? Relationships require communication. Listen, how we communicate with God, how are we going to have that? Well, it's pretty simple, right? It gets back to the two things every preacher says it has up here. Read your Bible and pray, right? That's so true. God speaks to us through what? His Word, by His Spirit. And we speak to Him through what? Prayer. Pretty simple, isn't it? So if I want to know him more, I've got to spend time with him. Spend time in his word. and Spend time in prayer. Just like any other relationship, it takes two-way communication. That was Paul's purpose. That was his passion. And here he's saying that I may know him, experience him intimately, personally, at a greater level than I ever have before. Paul wanted to know the person of Christ. And uh, how many of you want to know the person of Christ? <laughs> I hope you do tonight. How many of you want to go a little further than than just salvation, and go a little further. But he didn't just stop there. He wanted to know the person, but he also wanted to know the power. Look what he goes on to say. That I may know, that I may know him, verse 10, and the power of his resurrection. The power of his resurrection. What does it mean by power, his resurrection? Well, here's what he's talking about. That resur word resurrection comes from word, literally means this. You know what it means, to rise physically and bodily after experiencing death. How many of you think, well, he got up from the grave, Amen. But listen, that's just not a fact that we can celebrate. That's, that, because of that, that gives us power as well. He says the power of the resurrection. That word power comes from the word dunamos. You know what word we get from that in our English language? Dynamite. <laughs> blow it up. Amen. How many of you like to blow stuff up? We're getting closer to the 4th of July. Amen. We're going, you're going to hear stuff bang, bang, bang all over the place. I like blowing stuff up. That's the idea. Every time you hear firecracker, I want you to think about dunamos. Power, boom. That's what he's saying. And so the power of his resurrection, the inherent strength and capability and ability to overcome, uh, that's the ability, the strength that Christ had to overcome death, hell, and the grave for our, for our benefit and so forth. And that was what is in Paul's heart to serve in the power of Christ's resurrection. Hey, we, listen, through the power of the resurrection, we can be dead to self. Do y'all know that? Through the power of the resurrection, we can have power to say no to our sin problems. How many of you got one of them? <laughs> if I could jump high, I'd jump high. But uh, listen, we got some of them, right? 
Because here's, here's the cool thing about the power. This is what we miss. Oh, God can save me. He can deliver me from my sin and from the, the pits of hell. Thank goodness we as Baptists understand that fact. But you know what? He can deliver you from the snares, the sin that, you, that, that eats your lunch every single week as well. That eats my lunch every single week. He can deliver you from that. We don't believe that, and I don't think. But I'm telling you here, that's the power of the resurrection. That's the dunamis. I gave you some verses. Look at Romans 6 and verse 11. Uh, Paul wrote this. Here's how we do it. We become more like Christ. He says, Likewise, reckon ye, you also, yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ. Listen, the same power that rose the Lord from the dead, rose Jesus Christ from the dead, is living in us as born-again believers in the form of the Holy Spirit of God can provide us victory over our daily sin. Y'all believe that? I hope you do, because it's true. That same power that rose him from the dead lives in you. So you can't go around, and I can't go around with all these excuses. Well, I just can't get victory. Probably because you don't want victory. Right? I'm going to just tell you this. I'm going to be real honest. Most sins I struggle with, the reason I struggle with them, because I want it. Right? I can get victory anytime I want because the same power rose Jesus from the dead lives inside of me and it can allow me to say no every single ounce of my flesh and what my flesh wants. But the problem is I usually don't want it to say no. Right? I usually want whatever I want. Say, God, I'll serve you in these other 99 areas, but this one? Mm Mm-mm. That's my flesh. I want that one. That's why we struggle with it because we aren't totally yielded, to be honest with you. And so we have that same omnipotent, all-powerful Holy Spirit living inside of us, the same one that had the power to raise Jesus from the dead living inside of you, and it'll give you the power to say no to your sin and not yield to it if you will yield to Him. In Romans chapter 6, verse 16, I gave you a couple more verses out of that chapter, but it says this, Know ye not to whom ye yield yourselves servants to obey, His servants you are to whom ye obey, whether it's sin unto death, or obedience unto righteousness. See, the choice is yours. God ain't going to make you do it. Choice, I'm going to yield to my flesh and, and that sin and all that stuff my flesh wants, or am I going to yield to the Spirit? Whichever one I yield to, that's whose servant I am at that moment. And when I yield right, guess what? I'll live right. And then I can start to really know Him experientially, personally, intimately, because there'll be no sin separating my fellowship from Him. Uh, and that's where he wants us to live. That's where Paul was saying. He said, he's not saying I had it all together. He said, man, I'm just scratching the surface of knowing him. I mean, intimately, personally, knowing him. Listen, if you're born again today, listen, you have the power to say no to your sin. The problem is we just choose not to yield to that spirit, the same one that gave Jesus the power to raise from the dead. We choose not to yield to that spirit, that same power that's living inside of us. And we yield to our flesh. It's a choice every single time. And Paul, listen, he wanted to know about experiencing Christ more and more every single day. When we get to the place of absolute submission, I want to tell you what, complete obedience and surrender, that's a place we can really begin to know him. Are you obedient tonight? Listen, if you took, if you passed, if you took a test and you got an 80, what would, what would people say? If you got kids, what would they say? Oh, I passed, right? Huh. That's 
that's average, right? I guess 70 is average now. They do a 10-point grading scale. When I was in school, you had to get an 80. They're getting, you're getting easier. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, but you'd say, oh, well, I'm average. I passed, right? We got enough average Christians. Average Christians, thank God for my salvation. I'll yield to him sometimes, and I'll yield to my flesh the rest of the time. Paul's saying, no, I want to learn to know him all the time. I want to know him. Do you want to know him tonight? Listen, it's going to take simply that. Is that your desire? It's going to cost you some desires of the flesh if you do. And it requires you to yield to the Spirit of God. Do you want it? That's the question. Because it's there if you really want it. It's there if I really want it. Then let's yield to the Spirit and keep going. So Paul, listen, he wanted to know the person of Christ. He wanted to know the power of Christ, not just for salvation, but in his everyday life to get victory over every sin that beset him. But look what else he wanted to know. Look at verse 10. He wanted to know the, the pain of Christ. The Bible goes on to say this, that I know him, the fellowship of his, or I'm sorry, the power of his resurrection, but look what it says next. And the fellowship of his suffering, being made conformable unto his death. Someone once said this, I gave you the quote in your book, the, the, the depth of one's relationship with God is measured by the pain he's willing to endure for the cause of Christ. It's a good measuring point. How much would you put up for, with for Christ? That's a question that will help figure out the depth of your relationship. See, here's the key. Paul not only enjoyed salvation, we should enjoy that, praise God, right? <laughs> but he embrace the suffering that went with serving Christ. You think about all that he went through. Listen, he knew that, listen, growing in the Lord is going to involve trials and tribulations and troubles. I know they won't tell you that with those TV guys, <laughs> but it's going to. It's going to involve temptations. Uh, even as Christ had endured before him with joy, he set the cross set before him. Paul wanted to take up his cross. That word fellowship there, he said the fellowship of his sufferings. It comes from a word that means belonging to a society, a community, a group. But share the same man, mindset, join association. And so literally having something in common. And we're to have fellowship with his sufferings is what the Bible's telling us here. That's what Paul desired. That, that means that we as Christians, listen, we're not only called to enjoy salvation, we certainly should do that, but, but we're also to embrace and partake even in sufferings for Christ's sake. Again, I know those guys on TV, they're going, to talk about joy, they're going to talk about the joy side of it. They're going to talk about the happiness side of it. They're going to talk about how God will bless you side of it. And guess what? He will do all those things, don't you think? They're half-truths, right? But they won't talk about this other side. Don't, don't forget the scripture that says, All that live godly shall, not might, but shall suffer persecutions. Paul's saying, listen, I know it's not going to all be a bed of roses. In fact, here's what I want. I want to know him. I want to experientially, personally, intimately know him to the place that I can literally fellowship, take joint participation in his sufferings with him. I don't mind suffering for the cause of Christ is what he was saying. Now, I don't know about you, but my best life waits when I'm out of here, not right now, as they teach. And uh, God never said promises a bed of roses here. But he did promise he'd take us through it. Amen. So, did you know there's, there's no fellowship when you talk about joint participation as precious as a fellowship that we have with a friend when they're suffering? Think about it. Who do you share your joys and your triumphs and your biggest burdens to with? You don't have to say a name, but who do you share those with? 
The answer is the person it's closest to, right? People that you love the most, that you trust the most. and who, Who's in your life that you share the most, I guess, innermost sufferings and those troubles with? Again, the ones that are closest, the ones you trust the most. That's what Paul's telling us. His desire is to be so intimate with Jesus Christ that he fellowships in Christ's sufferings and Christ can fellowship in his sufferings. And uh, that should be our desire too. In fact, Acts 9, verse 16, the Bible says, For I will show him how many great things he must suffer for my name's sake. See, suffering for Jesus can be understood sometimes. We, uh, we, we get ridiculed in the world, right? And, uh, and you think about all that's going on in our country today. People, uh, I'm telling you what, I believe it's coming. You stand for Jesus Christ, you're now the oddity in our society. Uh, there's no doubt about it. But, but listen. This is not a suffering that comes by living a carnal life. Paul was sold out here. He said, I want to be so intimately, personally, in obedience to Christ and in knowing Christ that, that literally I'm suffering for his sake. I'm not suffering because I did dumb stuff. You know, we usually say that. Christians walk around, I don't know, I'm just suffering for Christ, you know. No, you're suffering because you made a dumb decision. That's usually where most of my suffering comes from. Can I get real honest? Yeah. I'm suffering not because I'm serving the Lord and the devil's after me, right? Hey, if the devil's after you, you really are serving the Lord. So many times we blame stuff on the devil. The devil ain't nowhere near you if you ain't living for Christ, right? He's already got you on his side if, you, if that's the way you're living, if that's the way I'm living. Listen, it's when we're really sold out, it's the only time we got to worry about him. Most of the time I suffer is not really for Christ's sake. It's because I did something dumb, I said something dumb, uh, I didn't do something I was supposed to do, whatever. It's usually my fault, right? Paul's saying, listen, I want to live so sold out for the Lord that when I'm suffering, it's, it's only because I have such an intimate walk with the Lord that they're coming after me. That's the suffering he's talking about. That's the fellowship uh, of Christ's suffering he's saying. And I'm thankful, listen, when you think about how Christ suffered, you want to know his suffering, right? We know how he bled on that cross and how he was ridiculed, mocked, and scorned and, and, uh, and despised, rejected a man. He suffered physical, spiritual, emotional, the whole realm, if you would, of, of pain and, and rejection. And Paul here is taking hold of Christ. Here's what he's saying. Taking hold of Christ means taking hold of the cross. It always does. And he saw his own suffering as opportunity not to say, woe is me, but an opportunity to experience what his Savior went through and to do it for his sake. Maybe if we approach suffering sometimes that way, we'd be a little better off. You know what? Paul endured all that stuff, didn't he? And he did it for Christ's sake. I gave you some scripture there, but remember what happened? Uh, how he endured mockery and he endured beatings and scorn and rejection as he went out preaching the gospel. In 2 Corinthians chapter 12, look there in, in your text. Uh, look at verse number 9. The Bible says, And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. How many of you think for his grace is always sufficient? He said, So here's what Paul said, So most gladly, therefore, will I glory in my affirmities, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. See how all these verses tie together? He's writing to 2 Corinthians, but he's teaching the same truth right here in Philippians. He said, I want to know the power is resurrected. I want to know the power of Christ. I want to have fellowship with the suffering. He said, therefore, I'm, I take pleasure in infirmities and in reproaches and necessities. And he said, in persecutions and distresses for Christ's sake. 
Not because of something dumb I did, but when I'm doing it for Christ, when I'm living for Christ, when I'm in fellowship with Christ, when I know Him intimately, personally, and that's the reason that He comes, what He's saying, He said, for when I'm weak, then, then I am strong. But he took pleasure in those things when He suffered for Christ's sake. It was those sufferings that allowed Him to more fully know Christ. I want you to apply this for just a moment before we go on. How many would realize that or how many would just, and I didn't realize, how many would testify tonight that it's many times in your darkest season, your deepest valley, that you grow the most? Yeah. That Christ teaches you. You want to know why many times that is? Because it's during those times we got nowhere else to turn but to Him. Right? That's when we're fellowshipping with His suffering. That's when we're knowing Him. Walking intimately, personally with him. That's what Paul's saying. He said, I want to know him. And if it takes suffering, if it takes persecution and trials, listen, so be it. If it helps me to know intimately my Savior more, it's worth every single one of them. That's what he's saying. Uh, boy, what a, what a powerful place he's gotten to in his life, huh? Wouldn't you like to get there? We'll say it, right? But wouldn't you really like to be there and mean it? I would. I would. Because you know it's always happened. So here's the question. It was those sufferings that allowed him to more fully know Christ. Are you willing to suffer for Christ? Are you willing to accept whatever God allows in our life? As Paul did. As, as not a woe is me moment, but an opportunity to know and to fellowship with God and the Lord Jesus Christ even more. To fellowship in his sufferings. Are you ready to personally, experientially know Christ on that level? Paul was. He embraced it. <laughs> he embraced it so much, he said, listen, that he'd be even conformable unto his death. Someone said this. He said, the supreme test of a man's love is revealed by what they would be willing to die for. Think about that for a moment. What would you be willing to die for? That's what Paul's talking about here. He said, I'll even be conformable to his death. Listen, I'm ready to fellowship with his suffering if it means I can know him. If it means I can gnosko, know him intimately, personally, experientially more than I ever have before. Don't miss the spiritual blessings that sometimes come in our lives because, uh, or sometimes we miss in our lives, I should say, because we don't embrace the suffering for Christ's sake. Paul wanted to know the person of Christ. He wanted to know the power of Christ. He wanted to know the pain of Christ. Lastly, I want you to see this. He wanted to know the promise of Christ. Look what he says in verse 11. He says, But if by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead, not as though I already attained, either were already perfect, but I follow after, if that I may apprehend that for which I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. Paul was willing to suffer for Christ even to the point of death. He had overcome the fear of death. He often expressed that. He, he expressed many times his desire to be with the Lord. Back in this, even this book, Philippians 1.23, he said, For I'm in a, he, he said, I'm in a strait betwixt two. He said, i got a desire to depart and to be with Christ, and, and which is, uh, or a desire to depart and to be with Christ, which is far better. And so he said, listen, you're needful for me to be here, and, and I want to be here, but you know what? I'd like to be with Christ, and the way to get with Christ ultimately there was to die 
Uh, and so he listened. He wasn't afraid to die. That's what he said. He says, death just means for a Christian you get to go be with Christ. Amen. And that'd be a far greater experience than anything we have on this earth. And so here is a former Pharisee. Paul believed, even when he was a Pharisee, he believed in the resurrection of the dead. Yet he didn't fully understand that promise until he'd met the Lord. Now he had full confidence in the promise of the resurrection. He said, if, any, if by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead. That word attain means experience, is the idea. And so he hadn't experienced it yet, but he knew one day through faith is in Christ it was a done deal. Christ was coming back for his church. His soul was already regenerated, but guess what? His flesh wasn't saved yet. That's why he was struggling. That's, the way, that's why we struggle too, right? You know, I'm already saved. I'm already seated in heavenly places. That's where my soul's already there, but... My old flesh ain't saved yet. That old flesh, it's a, it's a mess, isn't it? One day, though, hey, he's coming in the clouds, and hey, if I'm still alive, and those that are dead, or they're getting out of here first, and then I'm going right up after them, and that flesh is going to be changed, it's going to be glorified, and I won't deal with it anymore. And I look forward to that day. And, uh, and Paul knew that promise was coming. He hadn't attained his glorified body yet, but, but listen, he was still breathing, and and talking and doing all the things in his natural body here on earth, but, but he understood that their promise was coming. One day his body would be sold, saved just like his soul is saved, but until then he had to deal with the deficiencies of life. So he apprehended here. It comes from a word that means take hold of to, with force to siege. He said, if by any means I might attain to the, re the resurrection of the dead, not as though I already attained, uh, we're already perfect, but I follow after that. I may be apprehended for that which I am apprehended of Christ. In other words, he's saying, listen, there's going to come a day when Christ's going to come back by force and by siege, and he's going to take hold of, uh, of Paul, and he's going to get him out of this world, and he looked forward to that promise being fulfilled. And, but until it was fulfilled, here's what Paul's saying. He's going, to take care of, he's going to take hold of the one who was going to come back to take hold of him. And uh, that, that was his idea. So he lived in the promise of Christ, the promise of his resurrection. In other words, he wasn't living for today. That's, a, that's, a, that's I think, a key takeaway from that. Huh. He was looking for the blessed hope and the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Lord Jesus Christ. He was living for that day. In other words, he was living for eternity, not for the here and now. So when you're talking about living in the promise of Christ, here's the question. What do you live for? You live for the here and now, live for today. Most of us do, right? Where we try to build up our treasures, right? Here on earth, right? What did the Bible say was going to happen to those? Uh, it's going to rust and moth and decay, right? And it told us, listen, they're, they're just going away. We try to live for ourselves, our wants and our desires. And I'm not saying, listen, God said he'll give us the desires of our hearts. But, but he said before that, he said, walk with him. Uh, I'm going to tell you what, living in the promise of Christ means I'm living for eternity. And Paul wanted to know Christ. And he wanted to know him personally, that I may know him. He wanted to know him personally. He wanted to know his power, the power of his resurrection. He wanted to know his pain, the fellowship of his suffering. And he wanted to know those promises. He is coming back. He said, that, but I follow after that which I may apprehend, for which also I am apprehended. I'm going to be sieged by Christ. How about you tonight? Are you happy with your current walk? That's the question tonight. I'm going to answer it for you for me. I'm not. I'm not. I'd like to know him more. Let me challenge you. It's possible. 
<laughs> There's nothing that can stop you from knowing him. You remember what James said? Draw nigh unto God, and he will draw nigh unto you. Hey, why don't you take the first step tonight? Say, Lord, i got to get back to it. i get back to spending time in your word more than I've been putting it off, whatever your situation is. Lord, I get back to spending more time communion with you, in prayer, just talking to you. Lord, I got to get spend some more time just intimately, personally, experientially knowing you. Paul said, I may know him. A saved man says, I want to know him even more. Are you a saved person who wants to know him any more, even more? I hope you are. That's what Paul wants. Or have you ever been saved? So you can't know him more until you know him the first time. Paul couldn't have said this if he hadn't had that experience on Damascus Road. If he hadn't had a time and place where he personally, intimately, experientially trusted in the fact in the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. The fact that he died for us, was buried and rose again. If you've never had that time, why don't you call upon him, his name tonight. My Bible still says that if thou shalt confess with the mouth of Thy mouth, the Lord Jesus, and shall and believe in thine heart that God has raised him from the dead. Thou shalt be saved. Put your trust in him tonight. And then you can know him by salvation. And then let me tell you, if you are saved, let's know him by sanctification. Let's know him intimately, personally, more and more on a daily basis by communing with him and by yielding to the Spirit, understanding that power that he... He gives us to live through our lives and say no to all the things that, that whoop our tails. We can overcome through him. No, let's know him. That I may know him. Father, we thank you for our time together in the word of God, Lord. And let that be our prayer tonight, Lord, that, that we may know him. Knowing more than we ever have before. Not just in salvation, but Lord, in every single area. Knowing know the person of Christ. That we may know the power of Christ. That we may know his pain. And live through the fellowship of that suffering, Lord. We're going to have to do some of that in our life. And Lord, uh, certainly we want to know the promises. We want to experience those promises. We haven't got to do that yet, but Lord, we know it's coming. And we look forward to your soon return to get us out of this old sin-cursed mud ball. But even more important than that, this sin-cursed flesh. Put on that glorified flesh. and Have our flesh saved the way our souls saved. Lord, glorified, changed forever, never to deal with it again. May we know that promise soon, we pray. Lord, thank you for our lesson. Thank you for our time in the word of God. May we know you more than we ever have before. In Christ's name, amen. Amen. All right. Hold on a minute. We'll do prayer requests. I'm going to turn the live stream off. I'll be back.